0: Hi, I'm Ben. Hi, I'm Rob. We've been mates since we met at drama school in 2004. We're both actors, and for the last ten years we've been working in all sorts of productions, from small fringe shows to big arena tours. We love the theatre, so we
1: thought we would make a podcast to bring you a series of inspiring conversations with interesting people from the world
0: of theatre. So this is our podcast. Welcome to Inside the West End.
1: (laughs) Inside the West End, with Ben Morris and Rob Copeland. Thank you for downloading episode two of Inside the West End.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Inside West End, or if you want to contact us, then email inside the West End at gmail.com.
1: Coming up, we have a really fun conversation with actor Killian Donnelly. Killian has had a fascinating career, which took him from amateur theatre in Ireland to playing some of the biggest roles in the West
0: End. We've both known Killian for years. Uh, when we first started chatting about making this podcast, he was top of our list to chat to. So we went down to his dressing room at the Adelphi Theatre. Theatre in London's West End, where he's currently playing Charlie Price in Kinky Boots. And here's the chat we had.
2: This is Killian Donnelly, and you're listening to Inside the West End. That's my radio voice, is that okay?
0: Killian Margaret Donnelly. Yes. Welcome to Inside the West End. <laughs> thanks very much Um, we are literally inside the West End right now we're actually inside Killian's dressing Room backstage at the Adelphi Theatre where he's currently appearing in Kinky Boots yeah how's it going?
1: it's going really well so you're now doing it so you're now the quintessential leading man in a West End show but we want to take you right back who were you as a kid?
2: I was was really shy I just remember being really shy in primary school but I liked singing mum and dad sang they sang in a sort of like Dad would have a pub band at the weekends Mam uh, taught the choir on Sundays in Mass And because I was a high singer I was thrown into the choir yeah, yeah. So that's where I sort of started I, My younger sister and I would have gotten would have been so close Getting up and watching cartoons in the morning Ciaran um, was the older brother growing up Who we just fought like cats and dogs and now he's married with two kids and it's that thing where he's my absolute hero When I see him now. Uh, dad played guitar, basic, but Kieran could play and can now play anything on the guitar. He's incredible. Uh, there was always music in the family. And what did your dad do during the week? He was a printer. Dad was a printer and he still is a printer. Mam was, Mam was just looking after us really and then she used to, ages ago, work in restaurants And but it was just, but was, she was always that person in the village. She would... Uh, do something like, OK, I'm going to put a choir together and we're all going to sing at the weekend. Uh, and then she put a rock mass together on a Saturday night. So there was a band and that was never done in Clemeson where there was drum kits and electric guitars and my man put it together and we were, and I sang in it. And, and it, how old are you? At the time, I would have been about 12, 12 or 13. But it was so cool just playing and singing with drums. Now, it was me and about four or five other singers from... Kilmessen, so Ned Horan, who was always found at the end of the bar, would be singing Garth Brooks' The River on a Saturday (laughs) night, (laughs) do you know what I mean? And the the whole church would absolutely go crazy for it, and it got, basically it was to bring people into the church. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. When was the first time you remember performing in front of an audience and then going, oh, hang on, (laughs) I might be good at this? I was seven, and
2: Miss Tobin was putting on The Selfish Giant, and she thought she was like Trevor Nunn getting all these people together and you had to make up your own costume so I had white trousers, white shirt, uh, white bandana around my head and I had uh, like a neck curtain around my neck for a cape because yeah. the snow had cape and I had to just run around, <laughs> I had to run around the stage and go, I'm the snow, I'm the snow, did I'm the snow and then someone was spring and someone was autumn and all, all this thing but I had to put the neck curtain on the ground and I remember one of the girls ran across and slipped and fell but I picked it up and I swished it round. And I remember when I picked it up and swished it round, it got a round of applause. And I just loved this moment of, I'm standing on a stage and people are applauding me picking up a curtain. Because I've done something because <laughs> I wasn't done... planned. Yes, I've exactly. Yeah. I've improvised. Yeah. Age seven, I sang on the same concert. Do you remember Sister Act? And that I will follow him. Yeah, I was the solo nun. Oh, whoa, whoa, yeah. Oh, yes, I love him. With this microphone, and I started like shimmying. I go, I'm going to follow. All the real faces. The thing is, do you know the way there'd be a bully in the school or something like that? Mm. And shouting names at you. Oh, Donnelly, you idiot. He'd come up to me and go, you sounded brilliant. And it, that was the thing about singing a music for me where people who couldn't do it Really, were, not jealous, but like I don't know, it would just make them
1: go, You're you're brilliant. So, you're from Navin, Navin uh, in Ireland is synonymous with these big personalities. You got Tommy Tiernan, throw mm. a hook on, who's mm. a big TV personality. Griff Brosnan's from I, Navin, I know, yeah, Brosnan, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, of course, Dylan Moran, yeah. And these are all people who love the crack, yeah. Right? What is the crack, and what is it about? be careful how you (laughs) answer
0: (laughs) this when we wrote this question i was like what is the crack if you're from where i'm from it means two very different things (laughs) so to
1: to those people what is the crack and what is it about navin that turns out these people with a great sense (laughs) of it
2: i just related to
1: positivity and having a good time and i'll come on over for the crack i always feel like it's the the crack is the type of good fun you could have with your parents present.
2: Yes, yes,
1: that's a brilliant way. Tell us, what is it about Navin and that area? I don't Me. know,
2: I think it's just, everyone was, I don't know. Because the the people you've mentioned, they're very grounded. Tommy Tiernan, I did a concert where he was performing for about 10 minutes, his stand-up. And just side stage, he was wearing a scarf and he was like, will I wear the scarf or not? And I go, well, are you cold? No, but I'm trying to be like fashionable and stuff. <laughs> and could, like, but, but it was like a nav an audience and it was a really old audience at this particular concert. I was going, well, they're all really old. And he goes, all right, I'll wear it then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was just chilled. And then he went out and he just had a chat, I guess. And I don't know what it is that, that churns out these people. But uh, yeah, I'm very lucky to have gone there. Even coming over here to the bright lights of the West End I am still hoping my Oyster card still has enough to get me on the train. Do you know what I mean? Those little things. Who were you as a teenager? I was so shy all the way to fourth year. And that's where my confidence came out. And that's where I definitely knew I wanted to do acting and performing. So it wasn't until I did my leave insert. Over here, there are the A-levels. yeah. And I did my leave insert. And I was doing Into the Woods in an Amdram production during the leave and start exams. And I'd go back and i do like an English exam. Finish it and get in a car and go straight to do a show that night. Finish the exams and then finish the show. And the day after I finished the show, I got a phone call saying, they want to offer you the gaiety pantomime. So I was 18, I was 17 or 18, and it would be three months of paid work. And it's because the musical director saw me in Into the Woods. Mm. And I always think if I'd never done Into the Woods, I never would have gotten my first professional job. I would have just gone to I, I was applying for colleges but I knew I wanted to do this I was applying to college just so I can say I've gone to college yeah I couldn't believe people got paid for this sort of thing yeah. I couldn't believe it
0: do you remember your first day of rehearsals
2: we were in uh, I don't remember the name of the place but it was a big open hall really cold hall and I was there an hour beforehand and everyone had done the job the previous year we all sat around a table and then the director stood up and he goes okay so we're all just going to introduce ourselves and we're all gonna say who we are and what we're playing. And then it all went around and I was just so nervous. I was going, Do I go Killian Donnelly? I'm playing Prince Charming, I'm Killian, I'm playing the Prince. Do I say, I'm Killian, I'm playing Prince Charming? And it came around and I went, I am Killian and I am the Prince. <laughs> 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 it was just so plain, so dull, and I was like, okay, I wasn't happy with that. I, with that.
0: I don't think anyone in that moment in, in any job, I don't think anyone doesn't ever feel the pressure oh, of that moment yeah do because i think you get to a point where you just go now that i'm kind of feel relaxed i should try and be funny yes that's the worst thing you can do in that it's situation
2: absolutely the worst thing and i hate when people get a natural laugh yeah so even at our kinky boots one matt who plays lola was before me and he went hi i'm matt and i'm playing lola and because it was lola they all went Woo! "Woo, amazing uh i'm killian and i'm playing charlie
0: <laughs> there, was, proud. there was
1: nothing And
2: it wasn't a joke So I've always said I'll just say my name And I'll say the first name Of the character But that was my first day And suddenly a, a tea came out And a bunch of biscuits And I was going I'm getting paid right now To drink tea and eat biscuits Sit in my coat in the cold room And learn We got tonight And, all that stuff. and it's just It's just the best It was just A life changing experience Because I was I moved to Dublin to to live in a terrible, awful, leaky, drafty room, and it was mine, and it was terrible, but it was mine, and it was it was just it was just a, a whole change of life, really.
0: And at the Gaiety, backstage, I'm right in thinking, in the green room, there is a pub. There is a pub. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? A that, pub in the green room. So that that's the best thing about that because it made me save
2: when I get in <laughs> because if I'm going to be an actor. You're going to be unemployed as an actor, sure. so you need to live off your savings. And what I did was I would come off the stage, take my bow, and literally in our costumes we would just sit in the green room and they would have already poured your pint. So you could have a pint before you got out of your costume. So your wages just went back into the gaiety in a way because you just had a a green room to yourself. It was incredibly dangerous but incredibly amazing at the same time. And what was your life then, once that finished? My life? life then... It finished on a Saturday and I remember waking up on the Monday going, oh, I've got to be able to pay my rent. A friend in the Amdram background owned a factory and for four months I put pillows into cushions wow.
0: in
1: a factory. I want to talk for a minute about uh, David Hayes and Brian Flynn. Yeah. Would it be right to say they mentored you uh, yeah. as such? So David, for people who don't know, David, describe David Hayes and, and Brian.
2: David Hayes... I uh, David Hayes and Brian Flynn are David Hayes is a musical director extraordinaire from home and Brian Flynn director writer they, they worked on loads of Andram shows but would also do professional shows so when I did Oliver in Navin in 1996 Navin
0: Navin the original Navin cast yeah yeah yeah
2: um, Brian Flynn directed it and he would be that person who would look look at me and go, there's something special with that kid. Killian, go over there, change into that costume and I want you to run back across. And I'd go, okay. I wouldn't say, well, hang on, I can't get my costume or where's those shoes going to be? And it wasn't that. It was like, and what else do you need? He always said was my attitude. And Dave was the same. Dave would be, David Hayes would be the type of person he'd play a song and he'd go, right, but I want you to go really high at the end. Okay. And remember the word you're singing ...is Tears. So make sure you're really emotional at the end. He... He didn't just... You didn't just sing notes with Dave. You you sang the text. And he was the first one to teach me that... ...so that I'd read text rather than... Oh, I love that song when it goes up at the end... ...and the harmonies. You'd be singing the text. So Dave and Brian mentored me... ...and Brian got me into Cork Opera House Pantos... ...that he was directing. I wrote some Pantos. Brian would go, give me a script... And then I was writing for the Cork Opera House, age 20. And it was just, they always just, what do you need? We'll look after you. Dave Hayes gave me so much work because he would do the cruise ships that were going around Ireland. He would do all the pantos and he'd need backing vocals. So Dave would go, come into my studio, uh, but uh, one o'clock tomorrow morning. one in the morning? Yeah, yeah. So you'd do a job and you'd be in his studio from one to like five a.m. sometimes but it just was that sort of grafting that I loved. And he he gave me so much work and I was able to buy a car driving around and getting so much work. And we were rehearsing a show in Cork called Michael Collins, which I was playing the lead in it. And we had a, a Wednesday rehearsal from 10 o'clock till 6. And at 1 o'clock, that was lunch. Uh, so I had an audition for Les Mis on Friday. Can I get the day off? And it was like yes you can get the day off but oh my god we need to work on this now and he said just go out onto the stage and sing but sing the text and and then come back and then you get a recall i've got a recall okay we're back in we're back in dave would be recording sending me the tracks and it was the best phone call to ring them and go i got lame is in the west end and it was just rah, rah, down the end of the phone,
1: Dave. They would pick me up and they were just, they properly, as you said, they properly mentored me. So you didn't train at a drama school, but this was essentially where where you learnt the things you were going to need to know. Yeah. So what about as an actor? I'd absolutely love drama school, but it was the passion that I got from
2: Brian Flynn as he'd direct me in something. Like he'd scream and he'd sweat, not screaming at me because I did something wrong. He'd be just directing and going, and when you walk around there, you should be so angry with him because he has just done this to your character. And I'd just see that passion that I'd go, I just love this. When I was in school and I didn't understand a maths problem, you'd put your hand up and you'd go, why have I got a remainder after I did that long division? And the answer would be, oh, don't ask stupid questions. I always got answers in acting, in singing. I'd put my hand up and go, I don't understand why that character is doing that. Well, because his wife in the previous scene, But okay, and then I'd see a big word and I'd go, what does that mean? Even when I was in Lame is I would be the one to put up a hand and go, I don't understand. And what they, does barricade mean?
0: <laughs> Hope you're enjoying the conversation. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're going to have a different guest on every week. Stay tuned at the end and we're going to give you a little teaser of who's on next week's one. So don't miss that. Now back to Killian. Um, So you mentioned um, Les Miserables, and so you were in Sweeney Todd at the Gate Theatre. And you met the creative team per chance one night.
2: David Shannon, I got introduced to him, he was playing Sweeney, and David's done loads of work over here. One night, and he comes up to me, and he goes, "Uh, don't leave straight after the show. And I went, oh, okay, come into the bar. All right, okay. And I go into the bar, and I meet a man called Earl Carpenter later I worked with in Les Mis. He was Javert. And I noticed the rest of the cast were really dressed up and I was in a hoodie and jeans and I asked my friend Rob, what's going on? And he goes, "Um, the uh, executive producer and musical supervisor of Les Miserables in the West End. Like he's phrased it like that. Are in, we're we're in watching the show. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And all I hear is, Killian! Everyone turned around and Killian just moved and it was David Shannon beckoning me over and there was Trevor Jackson the executive producer Steve Brooker musical supervisor and he goes I just want to introduce you to this guy this is Killian and I go yeah you were very good oh thank you very much well he's going to be moving over to London now in March All oh, right, uh, whereabouts are you going to be moving to and I had nowhere but I just realised how important this answer could be and wanted to make sure that I was moving over in March and I went covent garden <laughs> steve brooker went you're moving to covent garden and i went yes yes and he knew i was lying and he's going wow okay you've got a place there staying with a friend in covent garden well that's a very good friend to have and i was like yes i moved over in march i worked in a pub for like three four months or something like the that was the pub the pub was at Haverstock Arms in Belsize Park. Do you remember the flight? I do. I remember I got the flight over and my mum and dad drove the van with all my stuff to Hollyhead. I was staying on, I went on Gumtree, found a flat and I lived there for six months and worked in a pub around the corner, an Irish pub. So I walked in going, have you any jobs? And they were like, can you start today? I never pulled a pint in my life. I didn't know what a gin and tonic was. Like, I, I'm i not lying. And, worked yeah, so worked in the pub and worked in the Haverstock Arms. And he was also, the landlord of the Haverstock Arms was Andrew Carey. Do you remember TFI Friday? Yeah. He was the guy behind the bar from years ago. And Chris Moyles drank there. Um, I served Tim Burton, Helena Bonham Carter, because it was just that gorgeous area. They'd all come in for a pint. And then when I got Les Mis we 'd rehearse in the day so I could still do the night shifts and then when I was in the show they go can you do a day shift what time do you have to be at the theater and I go I have to be at the theater for six can you be do a day shift with us from eleven to five and I go yep yeah. and lame is was my training as well because mm. lame is my voice just opened became bigger
1: and so how did it come about did you have an agent lined up before you moved to London no, no
2: I didn't i I I got a list. I went on to Spotlight and got a list of 20 theatrical agents. And I sent it to them and I got one call going, I'll meet with you. And I go, I just need one audition for Les Mis. And he says, I'll get you an audition for Les Mis And if you get it, if you get a recall, we'll move from there. And I remember the audition for Les Mis walking in. And Steve Brooker and Trevor Jackson were behind the panel. And this is going, you're talking like, eight months since I met them so I'm going mm. they won't remember me but you know the way when you do an audition you've two songs one you want to sing and you've just brought the other one so I wanted to sing Go The Distance or Pirelli's Miracle Elixir <laughs> <laughs> so they went what are you going to sing for us? I've got Go The Distance or oh um, or Pirelli's Miracle Elixir <laughs>
0: just as if Pirelli off, Oh, Pirelli's please and I went yep yeah, okay and it's like the wordiest song of all time
2: oh and and I, it was the worst audition of my life, honestly, because they went, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Do you wake me in the morning and say, so someone's go again, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? And when it got to the picking up, try Pirelli's Miracle Elixir, I was forgetting the lyrics, going, let me a dick. I think at one point I went, look at all the dicks, sir. And they were just doing that thing of watching me try, and all you heard was, Thank you, Killian. No problem. <laughs> Gathered up my stuff. I'm walking out the door. And Steve Brooker goes, Good to see you again. Yeah.
0: So... Uh, out the door. Gone. So that was your first audition in London? Yeah. That was my first wow, one. And you got it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ironically, that terrible audition led to you going on as Jean Valjean <laughs> in the original production of Les Miserables. I
2: know. I was lucky that they'd seen me in Sweeney Todd. But it did. It did. I got swing for the first year. And then for my second year... They offered me grantaire. I was like, oh no, 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 I'm a Swing. I want to stay a Swing. And I, I actually, I remember hearing the words come out of my mouth sound so big-headed, I was going, I'm good, I'm good. So use me. I'm a Swing, let me do things, because I'm learning as I go, and give me covers. Uh, they offered the Andres cover, and then I asked, can I sing Valjean, in case you're ever stuck? Can I just sing it for you guys, so you can go, oh, he can sing. And I did that, and I got like an emergency Valjean cover. A third cover which is now in the show
1: and that was that a case of was that like a a meeting scenario yeah
2: it's sort of like an interview and you go in and you just tell them what you want to get out of the next Mm. year and then you go into an audition in front of the panel again so in my second year when we were sat in a circle hi my name is Killian I'm a swing and I cover Valjean Javert and Andres it got a round of applause and I was like yeah (laughs) and then in my third year so I said I want to go up for Andres and I got to sing in front of Cameron, and then I got the got the job.
1: You have a natural confidence, and that um, will have given you the strength to say to almost make those demands, and you have the balls to say, "Look, I want this." It's where does that come from?
2: I What's think the journey? I think it's exactly that. I think it's working, and there can be there can be like confidence, and there can be like cockiness. But I'll always be honest with my confidence. The re- I had had the conversation with the resident, and he goes do you want to sing Valjean for us? And all the heads in the panel were going, but there's no Valjean available. So I just said, just say it, Killian." And I went, I know there's no Valjean available, but there can always be a moment where there's no Valjean in the room. It was just like, you can, I, I, it will help me in the future if I just get this. It's almost like
1: way. a a honest naivety. How did you not let London and their big theatres and their directors and their how did you manage to keep that that well, you almost oh it
2: terrified me like and I think but I think that was the appeal huh. because I remember when Avenue Q was at the Noel Coward that was my second audition for Les Mis I'm looking down into the stalls and there's like the six heads and they're all just standing there I'm like how are we how are we doing are we all right mm. did you get a fly over today yeah I did yeah 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 Ryanair 1999 <laughs> <laughs> just talking stupid things I've always been that type of person, not trying to hide. I came from the Amdran background.
0: You finished Lem Yes. And you moved into Phantom playing yes. Raoul. And that, like, that cements you as you're now a young leading man. Yes. What's changed? I didn't like going from, at the start, going from Andres to
2: Raoul. But I didn't like going from a dressing room with someone. Because you'd share with the Marius. Yeah. In Phantom, you had to make a conscious effort of going up three flights of stairs to say hello to people. So you didn't... I didn't say hello to some of the ensemble boys until the bows. Phantom, for me, was the first time I was going, okay, Gillian, take it as a job. Yeah. There was also, I was also the scruffiest rel for one of the shows in Phantom of the Opera because we'd be filming Les Mis in the day and then I'd have to do the show at night. So I would have a scruffy, patchy beard go in to do Phantom. They'd do my hair and they'd go, your beard needs to go. And i go, we can't because... I'm to film me dying tomorrow, and I'm meant to have four days worth of a beard. So I was, I was. Remember, I just remember that show. I had the patchiest, scruffiest beard as well. Hello, Christine.
1: <laughs> it's just this thing. Your job, you come into in the evening and you're playing this these leading parts yeah. in West End shows, which was the dream. Uh, how does that affect the rest of your day now? Like I've gone, to, I've started in a gym. Do you know
2: what I mean? It's like it doesn't, it doesn't. You have to fill your days, and I get really, really lonely at times because i miss home so much you skype home but you're trying to fill your days with things to do but also you can't you you just have to relax really because then you have to give three hours of pure energy and 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 absolute madness on stage that night
0: when you were in phantom i remember really enjoying watching on twitter you doing john versus (laughs) Kill. for those people listening who aren't aware of this, just talk about that for a few seconds because I love this. It's such a simple idea <laughs> and it was very funny. John versus Killian was, we started, it was, a, it was to get
2: us through the Thursday matinees and it was just something of, uh, what do we do? And I think I stole a jacket from his room and put it on me and tweeted a picture. And then he, came, he did the same thing. So then we said, let's set each other a challenge. And it was a conversation across Twitter this is John Owen Jones who's playing the Phantom. And so the first challenge I think we did was you had to get as many costumes as possible on you and you took a picture of it. And then the next one was you needed to get a picture with a ballet girl, a manager, and in the other person's shower. And they had to be done by the end of the second show. Then eventually uh, people who were watching them start going, you need to film them. In between scenes when we're off stage, I'd be coming down for music of the night. He'd finish it, come off and have a drink of water. And we'd be going, right, I've had an idea. We could do a cracker challenge in your room.
0: Do you think this like kind of fun, kind of of social media persona, do you think that that's important with playing the showbiz game?
2: Yeah, social media has a huge, huge part. It's definitely, it is is now a thing where when you're at warm-up, a company manager will say, okay, the such-and-such awards are starting.
0: Is show business a game you need to learn how to play?
2: I'm not... But my agent is. Right. It is those risks you have to take where I got commitments. I auditioned when I was in Billy and I got commitments in the last, I think it was three days of my contract of Billy. You do plan in a way. So when I was coming up to the end of the commitments, my agent rang me and said, Memphis is going into town. And then that happened. And then I I was off commitments for, I think, a month or two. And then I started that. So I was able to go home for a month. But it was it was when Kinky Boots was coming in. I'd seen it in Broadway, and Jerry Mitchell saw me in my first preview of Commitments, and he, I met him backstage afterwards. And 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 from that, my agent said, "Check out a character called Charlie Price
1: in Kinky Boots." So when I was in New York, I saw it. And when you talk about being in New York and 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 meet Jerry Mitchell, is that part of like what Rob would would say co- playing the game? I know, much? like networking. That, and yeah. Stuff. Does that really work? Does that really I don't exist? Or?
2: I'll introduce myself so that you know who I am and what I am That I'm a
1: real, a real person, not just a... Exactly so, What's your approach to auditions now? Like, how has that changed? I actually
2: think I do it the same way Like, I never... When it comes to dialogue I don't really learn it off Because I have done those auditions where I'm off book But I'm not really concentrating on the scene I'm more concentrating... That word follows this And then I say this line Yes! And it's like, are you even in the scene right now? The best directors have always said to me, it's not a learning competition. It's also that thing, and I say it to students here, when you go into an audition room, the panel wants you to get the job. They want you to walk in and be exactly what they're looking for. You're all, We're all on the one side here. You want me to get the job and be amazing. So I'm going to do the best I can. Here it is. If I don't understand something, I will ask a question.
1: When we were re- researching you, we had a look at your spotlight page, and under accents, it says that you can do African. <laughs> <laughs> is that actually your next question? Can we? <laughs> can, can we oh hear your ac- your African accent? Oh my God! Cries George.
2: You've known me all my life. Oh my God! <laughs> Cries
1: George. Well, you, you know, if, if you are going to put it on your spotlight, you know, you need to be ready for this.
2: Well, what I do with an accent is. Luckily, sometimes you get a dialect coach and all this sort of stuff. I remember with Billy Elliot, the dialect coach gave you some sentences to say. You always had to say, Jean-Paul Gaultier has broken a photocopier. And that was your, that was your pouty vowels. And then your wide vowels were, Uncle Keith hurt his knee while cleaning his teeth with Mistachine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have to do these over and over again. Can you say that line in Africa, please?
2: <laughs> Uncle Keith hurt his knee while cleaning his teeth. With Mr. Sheen, <laughs> oh, that is terrible.
0: <laughs> Cast of The Lion King. <laughs> shitting ourselves right
2: now. Thank God for dialect coaches.
0: Alongside performing, you mentioned earlier that you've been writing.
2: Um, writing, yeah. There's so many things that you get an idea and I put them on the desktop or something. But I started writing pantomimes as like a fundraiser for my musical society in Navin. But it just built from that. Where professionals, like professional companies, like the Olympia in Dublin, Cork Opera House the gaiety, they were all becoming interested in Killian Donnelly writes a panto script and apparently it's very funny. And now I've started writing over here in Norwich, in Sheringham Little Theatre.
1: There are obvious struggles which come with being an actor. Once you're consistently living the dream, which you are, do those struggles come in a different way? So, so like,
2: struggling-wise, I've been very lucky with the, la- with the last few jobs and last few years, but I know that I'm Like, I I always save and I always prepare for when I'm an unemployed actor. When I was younger, yeah, if I was in Les Mis, I was going, I want to stay because I want to be employed. But now I'm lucky enough to have worked where I go, I will want to take the right job for me. You never know what's coming next, and it's just struggling for money will always be a thing.
0: What is the last piece of theatre that you were excited about going to see, went online, bought your ticket? What I did recently was The Play That Goes Wrong
2: hilarious like the funniest thing and my mom left that came to me at memphis and met me at stage tour and was still in tears laughing at the show and that's like that's amazing if you're in the business you should definitely know the business it's like a footballer will go see a football match if
1: someone in musical theater goes to see a musical people go you're real stagey (laughs) but it's like I'm, i'm no it's like i love going to see musical theater What bit of advice would you give to someone who wants to be
2: inside the West End? If you're coming from Ireland, join your local Amdram society. Just get involved in it in some way. If you're over here, go do your training. I know it's all cliche, it's the normal things, but make sure it's definitely what you want to do, and it's not, oh, I'll I'll give it a go. Because the passion gets you there, because you are the first one to arrive. Always ask questions, and just make sure you have a complete passion for it, because it's the best job in the world and
0: you want to love what you do. Thank you so much for spending so much time talking with us. Not at all, thank you, pleasure. That's so interesting. Really fascinating, thank you. Thank you. And I, and I guess, like, I'm not from Ireland. I don't know if you can tell by my accent. I'm not from <laughs> Ireland. You're from Africa. I'm from Africa. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's also so much, because it is a different thing growing up there. And, and I, think if you, uh, I think anyone listening to it will be interesting, but especially if you grow up in Ireland and you're interested in theatre listening yeah. to it.
2: It's so removed. The yeah. West End is so removed. When I was uh, in Memphis, I was so lucky enough to be nominated for an Olivier. When that happened, I went home to Navan to watch the local pantomime. And they called me up to the stage after the pantomime, and it was Dave Monaghan, the chairperson. We're going to get Killian Donnelly up here now. Big round of applause for Killian Donnelly. He's just been nominated for the Olivier's, and like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And and no one in Navan knew what one of those was. was. There was no steps up to the stage, so I had to put the knee up and get a hand up. And he hands me the microphone, and he's going. You, you must love it. Do you love it? And I go, <laughs> I do. I absolutely love it. But it's it's just, you've no idea when standing on this stage that I did Memphis last night and I'm going to do Memphis tomorrow night. But what the only thing I'd say is, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Because if you go, if you, if like talking to any young people listen to this, if you go, I'd love to do that, you absolutely can. Because I am living proof that it's so obtainable it's out there and people in the business want to meet you
0: what an amazing note to end on fantastic thanks Thanks, gillian thanks boys a big thank you to killian for taking the time to chat to us if you've not heard episode one yet it's there download it it was with tim minchin or why not make your life easier and just subscribe also you can follow us on twitter at inside west end remember to stay tuned to the very end
1: for a clip of the next episode but before that we make this podcast for free
0: If you've enjoyed it and you'd like to help us make future episodes, then here's how you can. Next time you shop online with Amazon, visit InsideTheWestEnd.com first. Click on any of our adverts for Amazon to access their site. Your shopping will cost you exactly the same as normal, but Amazon will give us a small kickback on any of your purchases as a thank you.
1: Also on InsideTheWestEnd.com, you'll see a donate button. If you'd like to make a direct contribution, then click on the button and follow the link. Now, as promised, we have a clip of the next episode with the current Phantom of the Opera, Ben Forrester. Thanks for listening. I left school and said, right, I want to go to stage school and I want to move to London. And my mum said, well, maybe you should try and get a career going before you do that. And in the local paper, there was like an advert for a trainee graphic designer, like an apprenticeship. And I went for an interview and got it. And... God bless him, there was this guy in the office called Sid, who was the office manager, kind of hated his job, hated his life. And he'd worked there for 40 years. And at the time I was 16 and I was like, I can't believe that every day that shaped me and every day I've built and every day I've grown and experienced these amazing things, he's been in this office. And I went home and I was like, I don't want to do the two years. I don't want to be a graphic designer. I want to go to London now and I'm going to I'm gonna apply now.
0: If you wish to quote or share any of the content from Inside the West End, please ensure you state the source as Ben Morris and Rob Copeland's Inside the West End podcast. Thank you.